what are some of the ways that I can practically and spiritually begin to lead and feed my family today? Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at The Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, The Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Let's pray one more time. Uh, Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every man that's in the house today. I thank you for every woman that's in the house today. Lord, we just pray today that you would come, God, and you would just rest on us today with your presence. Uh, Father, we've come here today not to just hear a bunch of information, but Lord, we've came for transformation. So, Father, thank you today for speaking to our hearts. Holy Spirit, anoint us today, not only to preach, but also to hear and uh, just receive your word by faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, in, in light of today being Father's Day, I want to share a few things that have been rolling around in my heart uh, just concerning guys, all right, concerning men. And uh, really, to be honest with you, these are things that I wish somebody would have told me. In fact, I'm just kind of learning some of this, so I'm going to preach to myself as much as I'm preaching you t- uh, to you today. But uh, these are things that I believe that the Bible uh, teaches real clear that these things are our, let me say it this way, our identity and our destiny as far as being, uh, you know, just... Head the family. Plain and simple, right? So to do this, I want to start off and I want to read two verses to you. And uh, you're going to like these two verses a lot. So anyways, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says this. It says, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head or the authority over of every man. And man is the head of woman. And God is the head of Christ. Paul echoes this truth again in Ephesians 5.23. He says, for the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. So real quick, ladies, I, I want to show you something on the screen today because I need you to realize what happened in the heart of every man when he heard those verses. <laughs> so fellas, for your own safety, I would just encourage you to poke your chest back in a little bit. And uh, anyway, so ladies, take a deep breath, relax. It's going to be okay. I know these are controversial verses that that some people get all weirded out about, but it's God's word and we need to honor it. Amen. So anyway, so listen, here's the main thing I want us to grab a hold of today is this, is that when we consider these two verses in the context that Paul wrote them, he was simply saying that, uh, that God has appointed every man to be the, uh, not only the head or the leader of his wife, but also his family. Right, And so it's kind of this, that the simple point that God has indeed, if you're not hearing anything right now, but God has indeed called the man to be the head or the leader of his home. Now, to reinforce this truth, uh, I want us to remember something. We, we've all heard of Moses, right? We've heard the ten plagues. And uh, I want you to kind of read with me what God spoke through Moses to the, the Israelite men in Exodus chapter 12. It's the, the tenth plague. That's what he said uh, before it came. He said this, he said, tell the whole community of Israel that one, that on the 10th day of this month, each man, somebody say each man, man. come on, can we say it like we mean it, each man, is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Fast forward a little bit, he said this, he told him to do this in verse 22. He said, take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. It says, none of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. And when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. What I want to see here is this, is who was responsible for selecting the lamb? Who was responsible to kill the lamb? Who was responsible for putting the blood on the doorpost? The man. Who was responsible for making sure everyone stayed inside while the angel passed? It was the man. So listen, the simple point here is that it was the man who was appointed, the uh, God-appointed ministry of priests on the behalf of his family. Right? Yes? Yes? Y'all are getting awkward on me here today. Listen, uh, 
while we certainly have a different sacrifice today, obviously Jesus, right? Uh, the Father's responsibility and the family structure remains the same. Once again, he is supposed to be the spiritual leader of his home. Now listen, over the years, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a Christian now, I don't know, like 21, 22 years, something like that now. But, but over the years, I've seen uh, five, we'll call different responses, different types of men uh, when it comes to this revelation or this truth that, that they're supposed to be the leader of their home. And, and the first one that I think we probably have all seen is that guy that seems to be oblivious of this truth. Anybody ever seen him? In other words, it's easily seen because this guy is consistently disengaged and unaware of what's happening in his family. And, and truth is, it, you know, in spite of his age, man, this guy, he still acts immature, he acts independent, and he acts selfish, that everything's really just about him. And when it comes to him and his family, basically they resemble uh, two ships passing in the night because they are not connecting. Right, And then I've also met those guys who, who have let this go their head, uh, like my man, macho man Randy Savage, and they act all macho about this, right? It's like, uh, you, you know what I mean, they, they walk in their house, they flop their big butt down in their you know, lazy boy chair, and they stick their hand out, and they make this grunt, and, and magically their favorite drink lands in their hand, right? You ever seen that guy? Anyways, listen, there's an anointing there I know not of. But, but, but I'll say this, that, that that kind of guy, literally, at the slightest bit of disagreement in his home, he is very quick to let everybody know that this is my house and what I say goes. Right? And, and so, listen, that, that with this guy, nobody's opinion really matters. Nobody has a voice. You know, once again, he's large and he's in charge, right? So... And obviously that whole thing of, you know, sticking your hand out, grunting, that's a little bit extreme, I know that. But, but, but it's kind of like this. I believe most of us have bumped into a guy somewhere along the line that has used the Bible to manipulate and control his family, right? And that's wrong, right? And, uh, and so listen, that, that they really, they don't lead their families. They dominate their family like some kind of dictator. And, uh, you know, we sit back, and, and truth is, in the church, and we wonder why we read verses like we did there in 1 Corinthians 11 and Ephesians 5. We wonder why when we read that, why so many women roll their eyes, right? Or why they get angry and they feel resentful in their hearts. And uh, the truth is, is uh, who, who could really blame them? Right? And, and at the same time, it's like, you know, uh, you know, we ran a youth ministry for years together, and, and it's uh, truth is we saw a lot of kids that basically could not grasp that God was a good father because of the way that their dad represented God, right? And once again, it's almost like you couldn't blame them. And so, listen, I, I personally believe that when we as men who are full of the Spirit, that have wisdom, that have character, all these things that God requires of us, that when we really begin to walk in our uh, God-given design or God-given roles, that when verses like that are read, that it should, it should, in the hearts of our wives, and the hearts of our children, cause them not to, uh, you know, get angry, but to cause them to feel secure, to cause them to feel safe, to cause them to feel loved. Amen? Amen. So let me kind of give you maybe an extra thought here. I think every good leader recognizes that delegated authority, and that's what we have as men, right? We do not have authority on our own. God has given us a delegated authority. He's given us authority basically to be the head of our homes. But, but that delegated authority is never given to us to uh, suppress or to dominate or to rule over someone else, right? That God literally gives us once again, his authority simply to do this, to empower and to lift up those around us. And that starts first with our wives and with our children. Amen? Yeah. So, listen, I, the next group, and this third one, I think, that I've also met a lot of guys that when it comes to this truth, they, they become extremely passive. Get that? They become extremely passive, passive. And here's what I mean. Is that these guys, they don't want to be bothered with everything that we're going to talk about today. They don't want to be bothered with it because it requires too much of them. And so they're just happy and content in letting their wives be the spiritual leaders of their home. Listen, it's, man, I've met so many men in the church. They, it's like they think in their hearts that, you know, as long as I read my Bible, as long as I pray over our dinner, as long as I go to church occasionally, then hopefully I can just kind of keep her happy and we're all right. Doesn't, you know, doesn't flip the apple crate there, right? That whole thing, if she's happy, you know, mommy ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? That, that we just keep her happy, right? And as long as she, you know, we keep her off our back, we're good. But the only problem with that, guys, is this. Is the strongest of women still have a desire from God to be led. 
right? So, so even if we're married to a wife that, that is uh, very strong spiritually, guess what? She still wants to be led by us because it's the way God designed us and it's the way God designed her. Amen? amen. Great place, ladies, to say amen, right? So, but let me, let me say this to you guys. And, and once again, this is, I, I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. These are just thoughts, okay? But, but I think it's this, is what, what I see a lot of times with guys is it's like they, they, they're passive, and then they try to lead. And then they go back passive, and then they try to leave. And then they're passive, and then they try to lead. And what happens is, guys, is when we are not consistent in being the spiritual leader of our home, when we step up in those moments and try to lead, guess what happens? Our wife pushes back on it, and she resents us for it. Right? So, so the trick is, and I believe it's one of the hardest things in, in anything in life, is just being consistent. Yeah. Right? But God can help us with that. Yes? All right, then I've met those guys that, that are like this. And this is where I believe uh, most men are at. And I'd probably say it's probably where most of us relate in this room. It's, it's this, that, that we're guys who desire to do it the right way. In other words, we want to love our families and we want to honor God. But at the end of the day, when the rubber meets the road, we are really ill-equipped and we're uninformed. And so what happens is, is we repeatedly and unintentionally fall short of meeting not only our wife's expectations, our children's expectations, but ultimately God's expectations. Yes? In fact, throughout the week, I kept thinking about this. I kept thinking about a guy that finally, like, landed, you know, his dream job. Right? Like, I mean, he landed. He's been wanting this thing for a while and, uh, you know, whatever. Been hoping for it, and he finally gets it. And then come Monday morning, he shows up to work, first day at work, and, and he shows up, and, and guess what happens? He finds out that, that orientation has been canceled. Right? And so here he is sitting here almost hopeless, going, okay, I, I, you know, I know, I, I, okay, I got the job. That's awesome. But, but, man, I really don't understand the responsibilities that they want from me. And I certainly don't know how to do what they want me to do because I don't even know what they are. But yet they feel the pressure all around them that, guess what, that, that not only are people expecting them to nail it, they're counting on them to nail it. They're counting on them to do it really well. Yes? And, and so to relate that in our world, it's like, so yeah, dude, it's awesome. Man, you married the girl of your dreams. Yeah, and you got six kids. You're living the dream, champ, right? Like, you're doing awesome, right? But, but guess what? And somewhere along the line, you heard a pastor like me mumble uh, in front of your wife, nonetheless, that, that you need to love her as Christ loves the church. And you say back, oh, I don't even know what that means. But your wife does. <laughs> and guess what? She's probably not going to tell you because she wants you to figure it out, Right? So what happens is, is this, is, is you don't know what it is, but man, she expects you to deliver. And then what happens is, is when you and, uh, you and her get rolling and you're blessed with a disagreement, right? She conveniently reminds you of what the pastor said. He told you that you need to love me as Christ loves the church. And you're like, at that moment, you're like, pastor... I kind of owe you one, right? And, and so, li listen, and, and in that moment, you know, she reminds you of this truth, and you, truthfully, you feel like an absolute dope that just can't get it right, whatever it is. Am I the only one that's ever been there? So, listen, guys, let me maybe encourage you in this. Um, in your home, you get, you get reminded maybe of what I say. In, in my home, I get reminded of what the preacher says, too. The only problem is, is I'm the one that preached it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, my, 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 I love my wife. But she got an amazing gift. Fifteen years ago in the month of April, you were in the third part of a series, and you said this line, and, and you're not doing it. <laughs> she just said my memory is not that good. Anyways, but, but that's fun. So listen, you think you feel the heat. I feel the heat, all right? And, and so anyways, it's... Um, there's things, if you've ever preached, there's things that come out of your mouth when you're under the anointing that uh, you're like, dang. <laughs> Anyways, it is what it is. So let me just kind of give you this extra thought here with this. When we're talking about a guy that really wants to do it but just doesn't know how, the, the truth is, is a lack of understanding, no matter the subject, especially this one, though, uh, will always lead to a lack of effectiveness. A lack of understanding will always lead to a lack of effectiveness. Isn't that true? So, and lastly, uh, I believe we've all witnessed that guy that, man, he's done a great job educating himself what the Lord requires of him in this. He's come in agreement with it. And, uh, man, he just consistently 
you know, fulfills his role as leader of the home, and he just faithfully knocks it out the ballpark. Now, uh, while most of us hate that guy, um, I believe that we should all, as men, should be striving to be like him. Amen? Amen. So, listen, a little hope for you today. No matter what uh, category you have found yourself in up to this moment, I just want to encourage you in this, guys, uh, that today is a new day. Are y'all hearing me? Are y'all, y'all looking at me like, okay, it's, today's a new day, right? So, so it's this sense that, that all it takes for you and I, because listen, I, mean, I'm, I am just being honest with you. I am, I am studying, I'm gluing all these things, and I'm going, I'm literally going, man, nobody's ever told me that. And I'm going, crap, I really fell there. Right? So you're not alone. Yes? Can y'all look, y'all look like a depressed bunch. <laughs> Not trying to give you lemons today, all right? So anyways, but, but it's this, that, it, that if you and I want to step forward in the right direction, I believe that all it takes is for us to, to accept what we hear today from God's word that is true and then go, okay, God, I choose to come in agreement with it. Yeah. And I believe that when we choose to come in agreement with it, a grace will come upon our life where God will help us to fulfill it. Amen? Amen. Amen. He'll help us be the leader of our homes. All right, so just a thought here. When it comes to the word leadership, you know, obviously we live in a day and age where there's loads and loads and loads of definitions swirling around out there of what leadership means. But I think, in my opinion, the best word I've ever heard that defines leadership or the best meaning, the best definition is really a one-word meaning. And the word is simply this. It's called influence. It's called influence. That leader, leadership is really all about influence. And so I say that to say this, that as husbands and fathers, we have a tremendous amount, uh, you know, tremendous opportunity to influence the lives of our wives and children for the kingdom of God. Amen. So, uh, to be more accurate and I will throw this up there on the screen if these guys can help me, but, but this is really what it boils down to everything we're talking about today, that in the same way that Christ represents God, the father to man, we as men have the same responsibility to represent Christ to our families. That's where it boils down to, right? That we have the same responsibility to represent Christ to our families. In other words, it's, it's this idea that we have the opportunity to, to influence our families in the same way that Jesus influences the church. So how does he do that? And this is where we're going today. He did this by fulfilling a few roles, and those roles are this. The role of a shepherd, the role of a priest, the role of a prophet, and the role of a king. One more time, that Jesus fulfills the role to the church as shepherd, as priest, as prophet, and as king. So what am I telling you? Is that men, if we've realized it or not, that's exactly who you and I are called to be as well. That we are responsible for fulfilling the roles of a shepherd, of a priest, of a prophet, and of a king in our homes. So let's unpack this. Y'all ready? Appreciate you two ladies up front. All right. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. All right, so first one, shepherd. I want you to, I want you to you've heard this verse a, a thousand times if you've been in church for, for more than three years, right? But, but I want us to think about this in the context of, of being a, a father or being a husband and a family. Let's, let's look at John chapter 10. It says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So in other words, the leader of the family, all right? The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Fast forward to verse 11. I am the good shepherd, The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. It says, but the man runs away uh, because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Then he says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So without going into it, let me just say this. I believe we've all met fathers, husbands, who uh, reflect uh, the hireling in that story. In other words, when the going gets tough, they're gone, right? And, and, and once again, we, 
for many years saw the negative effects of that in kids' lives, right? So we've all witnessed that, yeah? Wave your hand at me if you say, yeah, I'll witness that. I'm trying to help y'all. All right, awesome. L- listen, but, but when it comes to us here, I think there's a few things that, that j- should stick out that, w- that I really want us to notice. And it's simply this, that the main responsibility or the main responsibilities of a shepherd's role or a man in the home is to lead and to feed his family. It's to lead and feed his family. With that, I want you to notice that Jesus said this, that he knows each one by name and they know his voice, right? So, so here's what I mean by that. That it's, fellas, that it's impossible for us to really know our families, right? To know our wives, to know our kids. And I don't mean just know their names, but to know them, right? Know what's going on in their life. It's impossible for us to know them and it's impossible for us to spiritually lead and feed them without being fully engaged and without being 100% committed. Y'all hear me? Without being fully engaged and with being 100% committed. You know, I've said this before, but uh, you know, as a youth pastor, one of the things that broke my heart was, uh, you know, the average parent spends four minutes a day talking to their children. That's when the children's in their home. Four minutes. No, I apologize. It was eight minutes. It was eight minutes. Eight minutes. So, so how in the world are you, gonna, are you going to uh, fully know what's going on in a kid's life in eight minutes? That's impossible. Amen absolutely impossible. So, but listen, when you and I are fully engaged, uh, I think this, that when we step up, we're fully engaged, 100% committed. We're not half here, half there. We're all in, right? That, that I think this, that, that our children, and our wives will be more readily uh, willing to trust and follow us wherever we lead. Amen. That they're more willing. And once again, every woman in this room can say in her heart that she wants to be able to trust her husband and she wants to be able to follow him. But she's got to know he's leading in the right direction. Right. And, and, and listen, that requires full engagement and that requires full commitment. Amen. So, so listen, I, it's also this when we're fully engaged that that it helps us men become more aware and more discerning of the schemes and the plans and the attacks of the enemy in our family, right? That, that listen, it is, I'll just say this, guys. It is impossible to have your heart to the Father's heart, right? And, and walk with God, right? And know God and be committed to your family and not see the enemy coming, yeah. right? What does a shepherd do? A shepherd obviously is there. He sees the wolf. He doesn't just act like the wolf's not there, right? What are we going to do? We're going to protect the sheep and we're going to lead them to a safe pasture. That's our job as men. Amen? Yeah. That, that, listen, there's been, there's been plenty of times in the, you know, in a few days, Jen and I will be married 16 years. There's been plenty of times in our oldest kids, 12 years old, that I have known by the Spirit of God that the enemy's coming. Plenty of times. And, and, and I've either just known how to pray or I've known how to communicate. I've known what to do to step in to go, you know what, we're going to stop that. And, and listen, that doesn't just happen when, a, when your kid gets 15, 16. I literally remember the Lord pointing out very clearly to me when my son was four years old, something that the enemy has in mind for him. So what I do? Not only pray, come on, four years old, we're having a grown-up conversation. Best way I can. God helped me to communicate this. And, and the cool part was, is I felt like after doing that and after prayer, it lifted. It's not there. Yes? But, but, but we got to be discerning. Amen? So, listen, and lastly, I think this, that if we really want, um, and this is hard for men. You know, you know, listen, men, I think we average about 25,000 words a day and women average 50,000. And that's what, you know, so when we're at work and we wear out that 25,000 pretty quick, we burn through them pretty good and we get home and they've been whatever all day and, and, and they, they got 50,000 words to unload, right? So, so I realize this can be difficult, but the bottom line is, listen, if, if we want our family to know our voice, like we know the voice of Jesus, then it will require clear and consistent and constant communication. Yes? Yes? All right, so listen, I just want to encourage you today, and just on this point, to ask yourself this, that, that what are some of the ways that I can practically and spiritually begin to lead and feed my family today? Yeah? So, so that listen, that, that what can you do? You know, now, let me say this. I read this week, literally, that, that, a, that most men would rather, um, you know, basically 
gut a kitchen and install a new kitchen before they would ever grab their wife's hand just to pray. That they would gladly do that for her. Spend a week doing all of that before they could just even go, guys, let's have a devotion today. Watch this. And we wonder why we're at where we're at. Now listen, I, I can be honest with you. Our, our main problem as guys, and I, man, I'm talking about myself here, is we're too busy. We're too busy to stop long enough to hear the heart of God to go, Lord, what do you want to do? And sometimes we go, is it worth the trouble rounding all these people up? The, the truth is, is yeah, it's worth it. Amen? It's, we got a window. All right? Now I'm talking to everybody like you got kids at home, so just put it where it fits. Next one. Here we go. Priest. So the main responsibility of a priest is this. As priests of our homes, it is our responsibility to represent our families before God. As priests, it's our responsibility to represent our families before God. In other words, it's this. is that you and I, that we've decided, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not... It says, I'm going to live a consecrated life because that's what priests do. So I'm going to live a consecrated, set-apart life so that I can go before the Father and I can stand in the gap on the behalf of my family for their needs and for their concerns. And what I'm going to do in that is because what a priest does, he always puts the people first. He serves them. And so we're going to put our families first before we put ourselves Yes. Now, now watch this, because we're wired by God to be the provider. It's easy to go to go, you know, work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and come and go, look what I've done. I put you first. But there's other areas they need us to put them first in. Yes. And I believe the first part is really just in prayer to be mindful of that. OK, so let me give you an example here of of this being found in the Bible. Mark, chapter nine. It's a beautiful picture of this. It says this says a man out of the crowd answered. He said, teacher, I brought my mute son. Get that. The dad is saying, I brought my mute son to who? To you. Basically, you see it before to disciples. They couldn't do anything. And it says, teacher, I brought my mute son made speechless by a demon to you. It says, whenever it sees him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and goes stiff as a board. Jesus said, bring the boy here. They brought him and says, when the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. And then obviously Jesus asked the boy's father, he said this, how long has this been happening or how long has it been going on? The guy answers, ever since he was a little boy. This says, many times it pitches him in the fire or the river to do away with him or to kill him, right? It says, if you could do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. Watch this. I love this. Jesus said, if... He said, if you can do something. Jesus said, if there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen, right? And then he says, no sooner were the words out of his mouth and the father cried, than I believe. Help me with my doubts. What's the point here? Is we all know that the, the boy got delivered of the demon. Uh, but the thing that stands out to me the most is this. is just like a priest, the boy, once again, uh, or the, the, the boy's father brought him to Jesus. Right? That's what a priest would do. Go beyond the veil, right? And he would bring a sacrifice on all the people's behalf. So what we do is we enter in and we still bring our boy. We bring our daughter. We bring our wife. We bring our family before the Lord. And in and, and this story, what we find is this, is that, that the boy couldn't believe for himself, but Jesus received the faith of his father, right, on the behalf of his son. Are y'all with me? So here's the main thing I want us to see, that, that this, that as men, we'll throw it up, that as men, we have a God-given responsibility to exercise our faith on behalf of our children. Our faith. You know, you know so often, it's the women leading the charge. We need to be leading the charge, fellas. Yes? All right, so let me share one other thought with you, okay? You know, if you look at the priesthood, there's, there's one word that consistently comes up that really marks, that's always connected with the priesthood, and it's the word sacrifice. Now, uh, a priest would, would obviously sacrifice and, you know, make sacrifices in a variety of ways, but I only want to point out one today, and it's this, that he would offer basically the sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is huge, and I'm going to talk to myself more than anybody in this room right now. He would make the offering of thanksgiving. And he may have said it this way, if you're anything like me, you struggle with finding the, the positive in something. Any other fellas in here like that? In other words, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, it can be so awkward. I love it. Um, 
Listen, you know, granted, I I realize that part of this is the way I'm wired, what God's called me to do and all those things. But but I literally, it's it's very easy for me to look at a situation and I can see, yep, 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 positive, but there's the negative. And I, you know, and so, so it's easy to do that with my wife and with my kids more than anybody else, because I know them better than anybody else. Right. And I read this, uh, you know, I don't know, a few days ago and it challenged me and I'll just share it with you. If it lands, let it land. Some of you guys might be familiar with a man named John Hyde uh, or they, they, the nickname was Praying Hyde. He was a, he was actually a missionary to India back in the day. But, but anyways, here's the story. That early on in this guy's ministry, uh, he came across an Indian, because he lived in India, uh, an Indian evangelist whom he considered to be ineffective and cold. In other words, this guy just didn't get it. And uh, one day as John began to pray, because that's kind of what he did, if you, if you know anything about John, prayer was first, everything else was secondary. I mean, this guy, to kind of give you an idea, he, he began to pray for an hour a day for one soul, two hours a day for two souls, three Four went all the way up to eight hours a day praying for souls. In the middle of the night, someone would come to literally three o'clock in the morning and knock on his door and go, can you please lead me to Jesus? I need to get saved. Okay, so that's what kind of prayer life this guy had. But anyway, so he was praying one day, and, uh, and he was going to gripe and complain about that, that evangelist that didn't get it. And he said this. He opened his mouth and said, Lord, you know how, and he was going to say how, uh, you know, brother so-and-so is so cold and ineffective. And, but what happened was the Holy Spirit stopped him, and, and he basically heard this verse in Proverbs 30, verse 10. He says, uh, don't accuse God's servant to his master. So the Lord interrupted him, right? And so what happened was is, is when, that, when he basically got rebuked by the Lord, he began to change his approach, and he began to actually thank God for everything that he could find positive about the man. And he began to just praise God for the guy's life, began to thank him for him. And, and what happened is, is in that man's life, within a few months, the story says that he became an outstanding and successful evangelist. And it said this, this one question. It said, what changed him? And it was this, not being accused in prayer, but being the object of thanksgiving. So, so listen, to you and to me today, how can we apply this? Um, I believe that when we as husbands and fathers begin to uh, thank God in prayer for our family and for the good things we see in them, what happens is it begins to create an atmosphere around them. Guess what? That makes it a whole lot easier for them to step into their God-given destiny and become who God's called them to be. You, you know, once again, it goes back to that thing that I preached, I don't know, it was over a year ago now, that, that literally is so easy when we get negative to, to join ranks with the accuser of the brethren and just start slamming them. But what happens is, is life and death are in the power of tongues. So what are we releasing over them? Yeah. So if I change my language and I begin to get thankful for them, then guess what happens? Heaven begins to release in a different way. Yeah. Amen. Life begins to be released. So I just want to encourage you to ask yourself today, and we'll pick up the pace here, but, but um, what are some of the needs and the concerns that you need to start praying for for your wife and your kids? Right? Right? It, the reason I say that is because it's so easy to pray simply for ourselves. That's easy, right? So, so what, are, what are, at the same time, what are some good things that you see in your wife and in your kids that make you want to thank God for them today? What are some of those things? Number three, here we go. The third role that we play as, as men in the house is a prophet, as a prophet. Now, the, the main responsibility we have as prophets in our home is to do this. Remember, with priests, we basically represent our family before God. But under prophet, we represent God before our family. Right? That is our job. Once again, it's influence. We have the ability to influence in a positive way or a negative way. It's up to us. They're going to get an image of God. If it, either it will be the right one or it will be a misrepresentation. But, but when it comes to here, once again, how are we representing God uh, to our families? Here's basically what this means. In, in the simple form, prophet basically means uh, one who lends his voice to another. One who lends his voice, one who speaks on the behalf of another. And so in short, what we're saying here is this, is that it's our responsibility as men to hear what God is saying to our family and then speak it out and begin to declare what he is saying to them. Do you get that? It's our job to hear and then to speak what God is saying to our family. And, and I just believe this, that as you and I first begin to live out what he's speaking to us, Right? Because it's easy to tell everybody else what to do. It's easy to preach. It's a different thing to live it. 
right? And so, but when we begin to actually live what he's saying, here's what happens, that you and I actually become the moral compass in our homes, right? That we, as men, become the moral compass of our homes. And I believe also this, as moral compasses, that we actually set uh, the spiritual temperature or the level of holiness in our homes, and that thing is transferred over to our kids, and hopefully it keeps our kids pure before the Lord, and it keeps our wives pure before the Lord. Yes? That, that, that it's in this sense that you would see today that you're a gatekeeper of your home. I have, I have uh, very often found a kid who struggles with sexual sin if it's not in their father. It's truth. I've told you before. I, I told you before about sitting in my office in North Carolina, and this dad brings his, his, his boy and sits him down and wants me to talk to him about pornography. And as I was sitting there, the Lord showed me, uh, okay, that's good, son. But, Dad, what have you been looking at? And then I asked him, and his head goes, who? And the reason is because he was the one setting the moral compass, and he was the one setting the spiritual temperature. He's the one that opened the door in the home. Right? But when it comes to, once again, hearing what God is saying to us, yes, what happens is, as we begin to hear God for our families, we begin to have the opportunity to set the family values or the family foundation in place. And then also what happens as we hear from heaven, guess what happens? As we're asking God and thankful for God for our kids and our families, we begin to go, okay, this is what the Lord wants me to declare over this one. Doesn't matter how old he is or how old she is. This is what he wants me to declare. This is what he wants me to declare over my wife. Am I making sense? The point is there is that we have the opportunity to speak and call out their destiny. So let me give you another way this works, a more practical way. When it comes to the role of a prophet, here's the other way it works. Um, I read this story the other day, and I could give you some personal examples, but I think this one's pretty good. Uh, there was a family, it was a mom and a dad, they got three kids, they're about to go on a trip, and uh, so they begin to load their minivan, so they're loading the, they're loading the family in, into the car, and while they're loading the car, the father actually feels an impression that his wife should sit in the back. She never sat in the back, but he felt an impression, babe, today you need to sit in the back with the kids, and, and once again, he didn't ignore that like we do so often. He actually said, hey, babe, I think you need to sit in the back, and she said, okay, didn't argue and sat in the back, and they started driving down the road and as they were driving down the road they went under this overpass and somebody up top took a clump of concrete and they threw it off the bridge and it landed right where the passenger seat was and and uh, glass basically shattered every you know went all over everybody in the car now here's the point it was at that moment they realized what the impression was about and thank god she didn't argue right you want me to sit in the back right but she listened and she got in the back because it saved her life Right? Am I making sense? I, I, I read another one about a guy that, um, once again, the, a night, basically the night before, he felt the impression that one of his kids was in danger, and he didn't really know what it was about, and, and he began to, I guess, get clarity on it, because the next morning his daughter was going to drive to work, and, uh, and he just you know, felt uneasy about it. And, and he said, look, um, today, instead of driving your mom's car like, like she always did, he said, hey, can you... Um, can you take my truck instead or my car instead? She said, okay, whatever. So she drove his, his vehicle and she was going down the road and she hit an oil spill thing and she skid out of control and she slammed into something and the airbag popped and she you know, basically hit the airbag, right? Walked away, didn't really have any serious injuries. But here was the point is that uh, her mom's car didn't have an airbag. And it was God's way of going, look, I'm going to speak to the man of the home, right? Because he's the prophet in the house so he can protect his children. Yes? Listen, I told you this before, but I used to, I used to uh, be in a church in Birmingham, and I, an incredible pastor. His, his wife got um, Hutchinson's Eid or something. I can't remember. Anyway, so she's, she's passed away now, but she was basically incapacitated, right? She, she was not functioning. And so here's this, here's this man of God raising two teenage daughters by himself. And, uh, you know, one night, I think his daughter basically was right out of high school. He's sitting in his home and the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to go down. I think it was a, a, a Winn-Dixie or Piggly Wiggly, whatever it is down south. Said, look, I, I want you to basically go down to that parking lot because your daughter's about to smoke a marijuana cigarette. That's what he said. A joint, right? And so, and so what he did, literally, he got in his car, he drove exactly to the area of the parking lot the Lord showed him, he got out, walked straight to the car that God showed him, and his daughter was doing this. 
about to hit it for the first time. And he opened the door and he said, baby, come on, let's go home. Are y'all with me? The next day, I love it. I love it. It's pretty cool, the story, because he, uh, he ended up going, look, you're going to go to Bible school. Pretty much you like it or not, you're going. The next week, they drove down to Florida, and they show up to school, got her registered. They walked to the dorm, and he looks, he goes, this is the dorm I was in when I went here. They went to the floor. He said, this was the floor I was on, and the, that's my room that when I was here. And she stayed in the same room he was in, and she's a, a pastor's wife today. Not too shabby. It's good to hear from the Lord. Amen? So I want to encourage you guys in this sense is that um, what are some of the things that you feel like God is maybe speaking to you about your family today? And and could you have enough courage to tell them so that they come in agreement not only with you but also with the Lord? Yeah? Last point will will be done. So we said basically that a man needs to feel the role of a shepherd of a priest, of a prophet, and the last one is a king. And I don't mean king like my man, Macho Man Randy Savage here, okay? But um, you just kind of jot this down, that the main responsibility of a king, of being kings of our home, is to do this, is to walk in what the Bible calls the law of royalty. To walk in the law of royalty. Wave your hand at me if 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 you've ever heard the law of royalty. Awesome, a few of us. Here's what the law of royalty is, according to the Bible. It's love. It's love. It's love. It's love. See, a a king, they understand from that position, basically they do this, that they take responsibility for for the welfare, right, and the care of the people that are under their leadership. Right? Same goes for us. So, So as kings, listen, it's our job to do these things. You can jot these down or just listen. But I believe as kings of our home, it's our job to provide and meet the needs of our family, to provide and meet the needs physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's our responsibility to meet their needs. It's also our job as kings to protect and bring security. It's our job, men, listen to this, to be good stewards of our finances, not to buy every toy we can find, but to be a good steward, understanding that's God's money, not our money. Don't get quiet on me. We was already there. All right, listen, it's also our job to leave an inheritance to our kids. And I don't necessarily mean money. I'm talking about character, a spiritual inheritance. In in fact, I love uh, what the Bible says in Kings. It is basically the Lord shows up to Solomon and he says this. He said, look, if you will follow me in the ways that your father David did, then I will make sure your, uh, your throne is established forever. But notice the connection is the inheritance. If you do what your father did, if you serve me like your father did, right? And so there's that chance. Can the Lord ever speak to our kids and say, man, could you, could you, could you serve the Lord like your daddy did? Right? Listen, I also think as kings, and this is huge, we could be domineering. But once again, a real king and a godly king is forgiving and full of mercy. But it also this, on the tie-in with that, and, and this is hard sometimes, but fellas, it's also our job to be the head disciplinarian of our kids if they're small. It's our job. Not to go, go to your mother, let her deal with it. That's easy. That's, that's an easy route, cheap route, right? Also this, it's, it's this that I believe that a king listens to those he leads and he gives room to their voice, right? He gives room to their opinion. The next thing is this, that he actually empowers each family member to be successful, but, but the bottom line here is, is if you can grab a hold of this, is that when it comes to a king, that it's impossible to lead our families without loving them. You understand that? It, it's, listen, you can, you can love people without leading them, but you cannot lead them without loving them. You need to love them, okay? It's impossible to lead your family if you don't love them. And the reason it's important is because if we don't love them, it leads to a dictatorship, and Jesus was not a dictator. He's the king of kings, Right? Last story and we'll be done. Grab this point here. Uh, when we're talking about a king, if there's one thing I maybe want to sit on except love, is that a, is that a king uh, actually knows what's happening in his kingdom. He's aware of what's happening on the borders, right? In other words, he's actively involved. And I, and I actually read this the other day, and I'll, <clears throat> I'll say it to make it shorter, but uh, 
Maybe some of you guys have heard of a pastor, an awesome pastor. His name's Robert Morris. Pastor's Gateway Church down in, down in Dallas, Texas. Incredible man of God. But, but he said this. He said that when him and his wife, Debbie, when they moved to Dallas and they, uh, you know, once again, they were going to start the church, they were going to plant the church, uh, they were trying to decide what was going to happen with their kids in school. Uh, you know, they said, okay, our, our daughter's in the third grade. We believe we can handle third grade math. Let's homeschool her. And then, uh, but they said, but our son, man, he's in the 10th grade. That's kind of above us. We need to find a school to put him in. And so uh, basically, Robert said, man, I'm too busy. I'm trying to plant this church. I don't have time. Debbie, why don't you go find a school that our boy can get in? And so she does all of her research, and, and, uh, but she was wanting him to be involved in it. And he kept going, uh, you, you know, basically, look, I don't have time. You go do it. And so she finally lands. Everybody, guys, listen to this. She, she lands on the school, and she says, that's the school our boy needs to go to. And uh, the only problem to get him in there, they had to pony up $5,000. Just get him in the door. So they pony up $5,000. There it is. They shelled it out. But their son, James, basically, he went to a school. Watch this. He was there for a few weeks. There was uh, seven really hard subjects. He struggled. Uh, you know, the boy's not dumb, but, they, you know, he said basically he's all about fishing and he's about hunting and, and he's smart, but it just takes a minute. He doesn't do good with, uh, you know, people that rush him. So here he is, their son. They made a decision, $5,000, go to this school, and he's failing. He's struggling. So literally after a few weeks, they said, okay, let's pull you out and let's put you in another school. So they put him in another school, instantly started succeeding. The only problem was is that $5,000 that they shucked out, guess what? Non-refundable, baby. They couldn't get it back. So watch this. Here's what happened. He said, uh, fast forward a few weeks. He said um, he felt like Debbie basically had made a really bad call and cost him a lot of money. And he said, the next morning I was praying and I was talking to God about something. I don't remember what, but he interrupted me. In his familiar blunt voice, he said, you lost $5,000. Without delay, I disagree and replied, no, Debbie lost $5,000. His response stung. Here's what the Lord said. Oh, is she the head of this house now? He said, who is the head of this house? Robert said, I didn't have an answer for his questions. He continued, in other words, the Lord continued to say, he said this, don't you ever get too busy to check out the school for your children. I knew this was going to happen. Right? Then he said, this may sound harsh, but I got the message. I am to be involved in my family. Every decision made, if you didn't hear anything, hear this. Every decision made that affects them will be traced back to me. So, so in light of this guy, if you hear, this isn't, this isn't just phew, whatever. Let's go be the priest. Let's go be the prophet. Let's go be the king. That, that's weighty stuff. Every single thing is traced back to you. Why? Because you're the one that God appointed and ordained. Right? And God doesn't take that lightly. In fact, the truth is we're going to be held accountable for it one day. So I just want to encourage you to ask yourself this. Two things. Um, what are some ways that you could begin to lead your family with the law of royalty, the law of love in mind today. And also, just to ask ourselves, and this is a brutal question, but am I as actively evolved as I need to be? Yeah? So let's do this. Let me help you all out. Y'all stand y'all's feet, please. <clears throat> listen, I came here today, I was like, listen, all week, I was like, Lord, how can I encourage your people? I know that doesn't sound too encouraging. It was really my heart. But listen, I told you guys I tend to see all the negatives. So anyways, um, I warned you. Um, anyways, no, li listen, I, I really don't want anyone leaving here today going, man, that hurt. I, I want you to go today and go, man, that's a challenge. But to understand this, li listen, listen, please, that once again, wherever you're at today, fellas, God, here, God has anointed you and called you and empowered you and equipped you to be the shepherd, the priest, the prophet, and the king of your family. And, and here's the awesome part. He has not set you up for failure. He has given you everything you need to be successful at what he's called you to do. L literally, listen, the Lord will never call us to do something that he's not, not enabled us to do. As long as we follow him and serve him. Because the truth is, is he is the shepherd. He is the priest. He is the king, right? And he is the prophet, right? And the trick is, is, is hearing what he is saying and then just letting him move through you. Yeah. But, but guess what? That requires submission. Yeah. 
It requires submission and not being independent, but going, okay, God, I really need you. Let me give you one last verse. I'm just going to simply pray for you. It says this in 1 Kings 2, 2 through 3, and I think this is a, a pretty good um, challenge. It's, the Lord says, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Y'all look at me, as, as little boys, something's in us that we, we, we always, since we were little kids, feel like we have to prove ourselves, right? To prove that I have what it takes, that I'm good enough, that I'm strong enough, that I'm fast enough, that I'm you know, mechanically inclined enough, or whatever it is. But, but I want you to know that the Lord's not really concerned about any of that. In, in fact, let, let me even say this. This week I was thinking about this, and I say it in weeks ahead, just act like it was the first time then, Okay. But, but listen, the Bible says about David, it says obviously that here's a guy that was smart, here's a guy that was good looking, here's a guy that was athletic, here's a guy that, you know, was a good communicator. He had all these things going for him. But if you remember, the Lord didn't choose him because of any of those things. He chose him simply because of his heart. His heart. And that's all you need to be successful in this is to have a heart for the Lord and to have a heart for your family. And the Lord will do the rest. You give your 10% guys, God will give us 90. But it requires you to submit and go, God, here's my 10. Amen? So once again, be strong, therefore. What do we do? Prove yourself as a man and do what? And keep the charge of the Lord your God. In other words, be what he's called you to be. To walk in his ways. To keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. If you do those things, once again, do it God's way, you get what? God's results. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for, Lord, just all of us men in here today. Lord, um, would you help us? God, would you help us be who you've called us to be? Lord, it's our desire to be that. God, we love our wives. We love our kids. We treasure them. Uh, But, Lord, it's so easy to miss the mark. So, Lord, I'm just simply asking today, God, by your grace, that you would give us just real revelation of all these things. And, God, that you would fill in the gaps, God, things that I didn't say today, but, Lord, that you would fill in the gaps, God, and you would make this personal and uh, literally, you know, let it fit for every man in the room today. And, Lord, I'm just asking, God, that as it fits and as it explodes in their heart, God, that you would give them, once again, the anointing and empowering grace, God, to walk in who you called them to be. And, Lord, I believe, God, that as they do that, God, their families will come in order. And, God, the truth is things that they've desired for a long time will, will simply begin to happen just simply because they begin to do it your way. God, that the frustration will leave, the depression will leave, the discouragement will leave. And, uh, God, that they'll literally find themselves being happy in their marriage. They'll find themselves being happy with their children. And so, Lord, thank you today, God, once again, for doing only what you can do. God, I I love the men, God, that come to this church. And, Lord, I know that you love us even more, and you want us to reach, uh, you know, once again, the destiny, the calling that you put on our lives. And so, Lord, I think just from a unified cry of our hearts, Papa, Father, help us, please, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.